0: The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production.
1: What's up, guys? They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling, and now they bring to you the greatest legends, hall of famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Prime Time and Chad, the two men! Jay Styles went to the top and hit the spiral cap. He was unable to knock Loki off the pin. A dazed referee, Scott Armstrong, employs the three count. How and he had the, the presence of mind to get back on Jerry and finish the ball shows why
0: he's it. This is champion. the two-man power trip of wrestling, and you are listening to the flagship two-man power trip of wrestling podcast. If you didn't know by now, my name is Chad And every single week, I'm joined here by my tag team partner, the one and only JP, John Paz. And today, John, you are getting geared up and ready to take everybody on an MLW journey as MLW presents the Opera Cup December 5th in New York City as we talk to today's guest Loki joining the two-man power trip of wrestling. I know one guy that you've been looking to interview for a very long time, and anytime we get to talk about MLW and the just the very cool, unique shows that they have to offer, it's always a lot of fun. But tell us what we have to look forward to here in today's episode with Low-Key.
2: Yes, very, very good. Fascinating chat. You mentioned I've been dying to get him on for a long time. One of those original ROH guys that you, know, you just loved. That point in the wrestling business, when wrestling you think was dead, ECW was gone, WCW was gone, all of a sudden through the ashes, ROH and TNA kind of, you know, sprout up, and you get a low key as the first ever Ring of Honor champion, and then you get him in that X division, which was so hot and so great at the beginning of TNA's run, and kind of you know led them and pushed them forward big time. But today we're talking MLW, the Opera Cup. Coming to the Melrose Ballroom on December the 5th. It's going to be a one-night elimination tournament. New York City, baby. I mean, uh, unbelievable that they're bringing back this Opera Cup. It's got, I think it's 60 years, 70 years since uh, the Opera Cup has been around. And obviously, Davy Boy Smith Jr. is the one who kind of brought it back because his grandfather, Stu Hart, was the last ever winner of the Opera Cup. It's really interesting. And with MLW, they always tie in kind of the new breed of wrestling, little hybrid style, but they also throw in a lot of the old school as well, which I really, really appreciate them doing.
0: Every time we promote a show for MLW, I catch myself just going up and down the card and seeing the cool matches and seeing the, the, the cool kind of like pairings that they, they have to offer. But just this opera cup thing has really intrigued me a lot. And that backstory that you were telling me right before we uh, we kind of got into this, was just it's fascinating to see. But that's the beauty of MLW. They do marry the old school and the new school very well. Uh, they have a great look. They have a great sound. And somebody like Loki kind of bridges the gap in a crazy way because he still can go obviously. And, but he's kind of got that last uh, link to sort of that old school, uh, you know, or like you said, early ROH days, early two thousands, the transition period. How's Loki been able to kind of keep himself fresh and uh, be such a mainstay in the wrestling business almost 20 years later.
2: And that's one of the things that we talk about. I mean, he's always learning, always adapting, always kind of adding to his game, never being complacent, never getting out of shape, never stop studying and kind of learning the craft. And that's one of the real things that we kind of delve into. It's like, man, like you take very selective bookings now, but, man, you're still in great shape. And when you're out there, you go to war. It's like an MMA fight. I mean, oof. I mean he puts the guy through the gauntlet, puts himself through the gauntlet, and really, really takes it very, very seriously. And he's been able to stay in such great shape. And when he mentioned that he was in his 40s, I was like, wait a second. No, it can't be possible. No way. And then you realize, like, oh, my God, it is. You know, and time just absolutely flies. The last 20 years of his career has just absolutely flown by. But he is a constant main event guy and main event player. And I feel like MLW is so lucky to have him. And it's so different because he's not – being booked in AEW and, and Impact, really, and, and WWE and all these other random NXT, whatever, all these random places, or Ring of Honor, he's just really doing MLW and some independence right now. So it's really, really cool to see a guy of his stature just kind of paying attention to MLW, which is really cool. And kind of going back to the Opera Cup for a second... One thing, if you're a real true blue wrestling fan outside of Loki and Conan, and and even if you're an MMA fan, Tom Lawler and King Mo being a part of the fold, you're going to absolutely love not only that Shima is there, but Shinjiro Otani is an MLW. I mean, that's just unbelievable to be able to get Otani for the show. I just want to throw that out there. If anybody's kind of on the fence about going, yes, Otani is on the card. He's wrestling Dave Boy Smith Jr. just for that alone. You should probably want to get over to the Melrose Ballroom and check that out.
0: Yeah, such a diverse group, something for everybody, really. I mean, seeing King Mo back in the fray—that's that's that's an obvious, uh, that's a cool pickup for MLW. But just back to Loki before uh, we kind of wrap it up and get into the interview. uh, You know, we can go back and talk about his matches till the cows come home. We can talk about you know WWE. We can talk about TNA. But let's focus on Ring of Honor. I know that's your uh, bread and butter. Uh, Give me a couple Ring of Honor matches of low-key that either you want to recommend to listeners, uh, personal favorites of yours, or something that really stands out, maybe doesn't get the credit that it deserves, because man, he had some amazing matches back in those early Ring of Honor days, and I know uh, whether it was in tag team competition or singles competition guy was a beast and very still I mean I remember the first time we ever saw him up close still very intimidating <laughs>
2: yes very very intimidating guy and there's so many matches oh my god like you just run them through there's so many matches I just loved uh, the first match in ring of honor for the, for the title him versus Danielson versus Daniels awesome match then you gotta throw out the him versus AJ Styles and his title defense which was great him versus Samoa Joe, which we talked about in the interview at length. I mean, who, what a brutal, brutal war they went on and like just absolutely destroyed each other. I mean, it was just crazy uh, the the amount of stiffness, especially at that point where you weren't really used to seeing stuff like that. Just crazy, and then you just go through the history. I mean, had great match with Austin Aries and Jay Lethal, and just teaming with homicide. It's just so many cool, like different matches and different opportunities that he was able to have in ROH. But I think if you're a real like wrestling fan, you, you haven't really seen as much Loki, Go out of your way to find that match against Samoa Joe in the early days of ring of honor. Cause Oh boy, do they kick the living crap out of each other?
0: <laughs> Make you feel a couple of them. Make you uh, kind of move out of your chair a few times. They're, they're very stiff. It's two of those guys that's for damn sure. But uh, yeah, we want to send everybody over to MLW.com. Check out not only what's going on with the opera cup, but also everything in the world of MLW, which you can catch every Saturday night at 9 PM Eastern on be in sports and we always appreciate MLW being a part of the TMPT empire and promoting the shows and having anybody that we can from MLW on. Cause uh, we definitely support the product and want to see them flourish. And they're doing a hell of a job. Uh, That's for damn sure. As we get into 2020 here. So as we wrap it up here, nice. I uh, want to hit you with a little TMPT empire news. Head on over to TMPT empire.com. There you can get all the links, to the podcast in the TMPT Empire, including the franchise Shane Douglas over on Vince Russo's The Brand. And for the entire month of December, you can sign up and get one month free of The Brand. And You can check out us on uh, the Triple Threat podcast and not only video form but also get your classic audio with your private RSS feed from The Brand. And also check out the pages for the JJ Dillon podcast, Francine's Eyes Up Here, and of course, your boys chad and jp the two-man power trip of wrestling the flagship show every single week here uh and that's enough out of me let's get it on over to the interview let's hear from the man himself low-key and let's get it on over to another classic here on the tmp
2: now for some tmpt business like us on facebook follow us on twitter at two man power trip and at razzlin pal subscribe to us on youtube also subscribe to us on apple Podcasts. please leave us a review we would love to hear your feedback check out the feed for awesome past episodes including Bruno san martino sean mike dusty Rhodes, jerry lawley terry funk Goldberg, Ray Mysterio Jr., Arn Anderson, and Glenn Kane, Jacobs, and so many more. While you on the web, visit prowrestlingtv.com. Yes, that is prowrestlingtees.com Visit our store, visit JJ Dillon's store, Frank store, and of course the franchise Shane douglas store. For all you Android users out there, find us on Google Play and Player FM. For all you iOS users, check us out on TuneIn Radio, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Radio, Podomatic, and now Stitcher. And of course, check out the Empire. Yes, that is the TMPT Empire now. TMPTEmpire.com for all the latest and greatest on the two-man power trip of wrestling. And now, without any further ado, a former Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Champion, a former MLW World Heavyweight Champion, a three-time IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion. You may know him as the World Warrior, Caval, or Senshi, but we know him as Loki. Please enjoy. World Heavyweight Champion, Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Champion, three-time IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion, three-time NWA World Tag Team Champion, and a five-time TNA X Division Champion. He is the World Warrior Loki. Loki, welcome to the two-man power
3: trip. Well, thank you. That's a a heck of an intro. Thanks for for all (laughs) of that info.
2: Hey, you have a hell of a resume. You can't go wrong there. (laughs) I appreciate it. Thank you. I guess the first thing of... To talk about is of course MLW Major League Wrestling is back and back with a vengeance. Big show coming up, twelve uh, five, Melrose Ballroom, New York City Opera Cup. I mean, this is going to be a huge show. What are your thoughts on MLW first, and then I guess we can get into the Opera Cup.
3: Well, MLW has been uh, brewing over the past what nearly two years, mm-hmm. just with its resurgence, and it's been uh, a conservative effort. It's been a, a a very well-defined game plan that has a lot of moving parts and has an incredible amount of adjustment because I've had a lot of experience in television with this particular craft. And to see the adjustments that are made constantly um, because it's live, because these are live events, because there's so many different things, so many responsibilities that need to be maintained to see it grow from last year. I was a part of the original version of Major League Wrestling in the early early 2000s, so to see the growth difference to where it was to where it is now has been pretty impressive.
2: Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I feel like it's a great reboot, so to speak. You know what I mean? Like, it's mid 2000s. They they had their definite highs and lows, but this is definitely a great reboot. And I feel like it, it was done pretty perfectly by Core Power and the crew.
3: Well, I don't think it's necessarily a reboot, it's more of a reinvention. The, the difference, I think, between then and now is the level of experience that everyone brings to the table. Um, it's much more organized. It's much more intelligently approached, and uh, I think because of that, that's the reason why you're seeing the quality of what you're getting now.
2: What are your thoughts that now you got you know WB and AEW, but MLW is kind of overtaken ROH by a lot of people's eyes, even my own. I think and kind of fell into the number three spot. Here. Are you comfortable with me saying that, or is there maybe a little off on that?
3: Well, I don't think it's it's even. Uh, a consideration for us because we're not concerned with anybody else. Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the biggest issues that everyone has faced. Whenever they see somebody else coming up and doing well, they always think, oh, well, you know, that's the competition. We got to watch out for them. But if you're pretty much concerned with taking care of your own responsibilities and putting your best foot forward, you're not really going to have too much trouble. If anything, people are going to want to see you collaborate more so than compete. and the example I would always use for that would be during the the Attitude Era, during the Monday Night Wars. Instead of them going head to head and trying to kill each other, imagine at that time if you would have had a collaboration of Stone Cold versus Goldberg at that time. Hmm. That would have been vastly different than what it turned out to be, and I'm pretty it sure is. a lot more money would have been made, despite the fact that you know they did make their own respective monies. So. To me, it's there. There's a lot more that can be done that hasn't been for a long time, and it's because of that egotism, that greed.
2: And MLW is pretty good about you know MJF works for AEW and, and MLW. I mean, it is pretty good that a lot of guys are able to kind of not really be locked in and enjoy, like you said like compete they are kinda of collaborating and say, okay if you want to use them there even Tony Shivani, if you want to use Shivani okay, you know, we're gonna use them on this stage. They've been good in that way.
3: Well I think the difference now is there's a much more mature approach to what this actually is. You know, this is this is a very difficult and unique craft, especially to make a make into a profession and something that you want to do as a living. It's very, very difficult. I mean I, I shared on social media yesterday about a uh, video that I believe uh, Danny Cage from the Monster Factory put out about one of his trainees not returning after being sick from from the warm-ups. I mean, this, this craft is not for everyone. People make it seem to be, and there are more opportunities now than there ever have been in the past, but this is still something very unique that can be very unforgiving if you're not treating it with the respect it deserves because you only have one body. And I'm unique in the sense that I've lasted as long as I have with the style that I have and been able to do what I do for so long, but it's because I've treated it with that respect, not only to myself and the sport, but to my opponents and then also to the people who are viewing. So it's, it's an overall effect, but we need to treat it with a lot of respect.
2: As somebody that hasn't seen you, I mean, I've been watching you, God, forever, almost uh, 20 years now, I feel like I've been watching you. <laughs> since the beginning, really, since the beginning of ROH and TNA, you were one of them like, guys, yeah, this guy's got something. You know, he, he's, he's awesome. He's doing this unique. How would you describe your style to someone that hasn't seen you before? It's almost like Bruce Lee meets, uh, you know, Amazing Red. It's, it's a crazy hybrid style.
3: Well, I remember originally having this discussion with Gabe, when he Mm -hmm. was in Ring of Honor at the beginning. He was like, what would you call it? And I would call it a a neo-hybrid style. And that was more like the early 2000s when I was starting to bring in the MMA uh, aspect back, to American pro wrestling. Because uh, at that time, it was much more uh, personality, gimmicky-styled wrestling that was more dominantly presented aside from the ECW stuff. So that's what I was up against. So, in order for me to set myself apart from everyone else, I wasn't as strong as everyone. I wasn't as tall or as big. So, I knew my finesse and my style uh, and my accuracy would be what saved me. So, it's just my ability to, to out train everyone and out think everyone is what allowed me to adapt. And because of that, I was able to adapt my martial arts training into my pro wrestling style and then be able to accommodate. All the fundamental uh, aspects of pro wrestling that, in, that require uh, a higher skill. So for me, it was just a constant, uh, a constant approach of what is it I'm trying to do? I'm not, I'm not coming here to just be anyone. I'm coming here to take over. I'm coming here to be the number one spot. I'm coming here to be the top guy. So I mean, it's no different than the Olympians. So that was basically the same approach that I've always used. You know, see the, it's at the end and, and work your hardest because no one else is going to do that work for you. And because of that, the resume you rattled off at the beginning with that intro, that's a, a clear example of what happens when you work your hardest.
2: And I think Gabe was definitely right when he obviously was the booker at that point in the beginning of ROH, when we're talking about what kind of style, you were the perfect guy to be the first Ring of Honor champion. Because that kind of set the tone and set the pace for what they would become for years when they were really kind of that underground, but really that number one promotion for fans that really wanted to see really good, hard-hitting wrestling, right? I mean, you were like kind of the the perfect
3: choice. Well, I wouldn't consider myself the perfect choice because you're only as good as your competition. Because mm. I was going against American Dragon. I was going against Christopher Daniels. I was going against Scoot Andrews. I was going against Spanky. These guys all came from different backgrounds and had different skill sets. But because they were good at what they did in their different skill sets, it was challenging to mine and vice versa. So me being a proper fit, it was good. But, again, I'm only as good as my competition for that realm. And I had some pretty hungry competition. And look at where all of them ended up. None of those guys had bad careers. None of those guys were unsuccessful. All of those guys were highly skillful and high, highly respected.
2: All well, excellent, excellent guys. They had quite a crew at that point. And the early days of Samoa Joe, and you and Joe had one of those matches that everyone talked about in the early stages of basically the Internet there. They were crazy about that match and the brutality and how stiff it was. And that kind of put Samoa Joe on the map.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, that's uh, it's it's a different... Um, I would believe, uh, a better way to say it, it's a different sentiment when you're in the ring with people you respect and people you know. And in this type of craft, this is physical. This is real physical. And I think uh, that's what a lot of people forget because uh, the people who are really good, they make it look easy, and they don't make it look like they're taking on too too much uh, realistic damage that follows them outside of work. So. Hmm uh moving on with guys like Joe. Joe's a fan of Japanese style wrestling. I'm a fan of Japanese style wrestling. That's what we aspired to. So it was like just two meetings of the mind and or two meeting of the minds and we just we clicked. We clicked at the King of the Indies. We clicked at ROH and it's just it's that, that dual respect of, of someone you consider like a master of what they, they're doing. And he, we, he didn't treat it with no respect. He treated it with a high degree of respect because at his size, look at the things that he was doing. At his oh, yeah. Size, look at the style of what he was doing. So uh, we, I come from the hip-hop era. You're coming out, you're not coming out to be somebody else. You're coming out to give everything you've got but you are you. That's what he did, too. And look at the reputation and look at the path he's had. So, you know, at that time, running into guys like that, of course, you're going to have a blast because you're not you're not coming in with uh, low quality. You're coming in with top quality. So good. This just
2: great matches. And I remember being at a lot of those matches, and I remember being specifically at Final Battle, I believe it was 05, U vs. <laughs> yep. That was just an awesome, another awesome, awesome match and just tore it down in, in New Jersey that night.
3: Yeah, that was uh, that was deep into the, my time with Pro Wrestling Noah, And I remember when it was originally presented to me that they wanted me to challenge, I, it was an immediate yes, but I already knew what I had to do. I had to pack on some weight because I knew the physicality that would be coming. And uh, at the time, I was training with the Nisaito Jiu-Jitsu Dojo in Brooklyn, in Diker Heights, and I had them training me and running through, running me through all kinds of stuff to try to wear me out and to try to make sure my conditioning was better than everyone else's, uh, even to the point where I was training probably, I don't know, six days a week in the dojo on top of lifting, on top of traveling to wrestle. So, I mean, I, I made sure that I was coming very, very well prepared. And I came in slightly heavier, so I, I was able to put on a little extra padding because I knew what was coming. And uh, that that event, I was I was heavily charged because it took one, it took seven and a half hours for us to find the arena because it was deep in the middle of New Jersey where it was just very difficult to find.
2: Yeah, so, it was a weird venue.
3: <laughs> yeah, very difficult to find. So for something that reasonably should take no more than maybe two, two and a half hours, it took us seven and a half hours to get there. And then when we get there, now i got to get into fight mode, so it's it's very difficult when you're already trying to stress to figure out if you're going to get there on time uh, to have enough time to warm up because a guy like Kenta, you don't come in cold. You need to be very, very warmed up and loose because he's fast and his technique is sharp. So I knew his style was more multi-kick based. Mine is more adaptive. And you know I, I knew what to expect, but I was able to get my 1,000 reps warm up, get ready to go. And uh, I think we ended up going something like 33 minutes or something like that. And, uh, I mean, we, we laid it all out. And it was it was a, a very, very big respect at the end with that handshake because it was to let him know, look, not all Americans are the same and I'm the proof.
2: What a match. And to be match of the night when... Daniel uh, Brian Danielson American Dragon wrestle Fuji too is pretty mm-hmm. amazing and you guys were able to kind of eclipse that. I mean, it, was, it was quite the night to be there live as a fan and I do remember a horrible like location to find it. So yes. weird for such a big match.
3: Yeah, it was it was difficult, but luckily everyone was able to to find it pack in there and have some fun. As far as.
2: You and you said you know your training and things like that. I'm always curious what, what it was like training with Homicide, always a favorite of mine, always a, an absolute legend. Is he one of those guys that, like you said, can just adapt to anybody? Because it seems like he could brawl with Carino, but then he could, you know, he can have a really good wrestling match against like Jay Lethal, something like that. I mean, he's just one of those guys that's very hybrid as well.
3: Well, the thing is, we're not dumb, we study. That's the biggest difference between us and everyone else. Everybody thought the doghouse was this big, uh, rough and tough environment that was just brutal to people unnecessarily. No, we were telling, we were teaching people how to be intelligent. And that's the biggest difference. Everybody else wants to play an actor. Everyone wants to play a game. They don't want to fight. Well, if you're in a fight, you're not going to make certain mistakes because you can't afford to. So your mentality changes in your approach. Homicide and I used to train for hours at end, alone. Why? We were studying. And we still do it. That's the difference. We've never stopped learning. Everybody else is still getting content and and getting complacent. And they're wondering why they're not advancing. Look at the difference. Homicide when he began, everyone associated him with all the hardcore. And now he's respected as one of the best wrestlers. How does that happen? Hmm. Uh, He did it himself. It by magic. He's showing everybody. It's the same thing I've always known. Why? I trained with him. Everyone falls for the, 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 the judging a book by its cover all the time. They've always done that, with especially with him. The way that he looks, people, they, they, they misunderstand him and they, they disregard the fact that he's probably a highly intelligent individual. But They see the tattoos and the scars and they think something else. And I'm an extension of him. And we're an extension of somebody else. So there's a lot of thinking that goes on in here. That's what separates us from everyone else. But it's respect because we're putting in the work and we're learning our craft.
2: So good. Uh, just I feel like he's almost underrated, which is crazy to think. But yeah, after 25 years in the business, but I almost feel like he might be a little underrated. That's how good I think he is.
3: Oh, he. I can almost guarantee you. You stick him in the ring with certain world champions, you will smoke him in the ring and that's not even based off of his uh his knowledge base that's based off of just his current conditioning i'm 40 years old he's slightly older than i am his conditioning is just as good if not better than mine
2: yeah he's uh he's an unbelievable talent that that's for sure and i always love to it's taking an hour away. I always loved when you made that kind of surprise return in 04 and were with, with him with the Rottweilers and, and with Romero and Reyes. I just thought that was such a perfect pairing, so cool, and, and kind of a shocking moment for the fans that were hard to shock back then.
3: Well, that's the thing. Everyone thinks that they know this stuff. They don't know anything unless they do this, and unless they do it right. Everyone else has their opinions, but their opinion only matters to them. Getting the job done is a completely different set of skills.
2: Now, if I can go back to MLW, because I do want to talk about the Opera Cup, because it is a one-night tournament. It is kind of crazy to think that this was a tournament basically held all the way back in the 40s and that this trophy was Stu Hart's last-ever winner of it, and now Davey Boy's kind of bringing it out of retirement. What do you think about that? Because that is really, really cool, and something that you don't see every day going that far back with tradition and old
1: school.
3: Well, It's it's a a big vision of what Court wants for the integrity of MLW. Everything that we've been doing is trying to show respect to the history of how we all arrived here. Look at what he's doing. He's, re- he's bringing back a one-night tournament that has strong historic value, not only just to the craft, but to the lineage of one of our wrestlers. And on top of that, it's a historic family lineage in the craft. So it's, it's full circle here. And to have him as a participant is is incredible because he's 6'5 and and 265, so he's a super... He floats around at the borderline of heavyweight and super heavyweight, but he can just dismantle you piece by piece because he's such an exceptional wrestler and catch wrestler. And the quality of who's entering the the tournament is, is pretty impressive because he's going against Shinjiro Otani. I know Shinjiro Otani from New Japan Super Junior fame, but also my time in 0 1. Yeah. So I know firsthand how good Otani is, how legendary he is. I know how good Harry is, or Davey Boy is, because I've trained with him. So I, I understand how good of a match this could really be. And then, you know, just the, the, the potential matchups that can occur past round one, and, you know, just to bring back. Historic value to to pro wrestling that doesn't insult the intelligence of the people who are watching. That's what we're going for. We're going for respect.
2: I love it. It's just so different. It's so unique. I mean, the one night tournament obviously has been around, but the fact that it's the Opera Cup and it was Stu hard and Davy Boy Jr. is going to be in it. His grandson. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just so cool, and I just love that. That's going to be a you know, a huge part of it. Have they announced, I haven't seen that they've announced, I know you're going to be there, but I don't think they've announced an opponent or anything for you as of yet. Right.
3: Not at the moment, not yet. We still have time and I'm still in negotiations with court and with MLW, but uh, I'm pretty sure we're going to have answers. soon. Nice. Can anticipate definitely being a part of the tournament. Hopefully. Well, it, it, courts always careful with me because I'm a huge threat. <laughs> when promoters start uh, trying to line up their guys for their future, I'm a huge threat because I'm I'm highly skilled, I'm highly dangerous, and uh, I can derail plans real easy with these big guys. I mean, I had a hard time with uh, with Timothy Thatcher, who's an incredible wrestler. I mean, uh, I'm a huge fan of Carl Gotch and Billy Robinson, uh, Fujiwara and Suzuki. So, I mean, when I'm facing guys who, who continue the lineage of all of that and it's firsthand experience going toe-to-toe with guys like that and I know how tough they are, I get to see it firsthand and I, I can come away with a huge amount of respect for them. That's the kind of stuff I like to see and that's what Court's always trying to bring to MLW.
2: Such a great styles, class kind of thing with you. like You know, you got the... The guy that does the shoot style, then you're kind of a hybrid. You can do, do everything and mix a little mm-hmm. martial arts. I mean, that's such a, a cool match. Was that a great experience for you as far as just being able to get in there with somebody different and somebody that does incorporate that type of style?
3: Yes, because that's the challenge. I'm all about challenges, and I've always been since day one. You're, you're only as good as your competition, so when your competition is challenging you to rise to the occasion, that's when you're having a blast. That's what Timothy Thatcher did. I've never had a singles match with him before. I've heard of him for years, and I know how good he is based off of who's telling me what about him. So getting a chance to face him on a national stage for Major League Wrestling, for being sports, I mean, that was fun. And on top of that, the guy's good at what he does, so now it's becoming more and more like chess. So you can tell in the early stages of the match how I'm defending while on the ground, and I start fainting him with kicks. And he smirks because he recognizes that I'm still dangerous from down there, but he clears some space just in a respectful display. So, you know, stuff like that, that's when it gets really, really fun because you're getting guys who are really good at what they're doing, and now here's where the magic can be in.
2: Before you wrestle him, is that somebody – that you you know you watch maybe tape of and you say man he does this and that you bring somebody in and you, you you work on that style you know what i mean almost bringing a guy just like him and kind of work mm-hmm. on that style is that something you guys do well
3: it, it, i've had experience with pretty much my entire career sparring with guys who are bigger than me so whether it's stand-up you know striking whether it's just stand-up clinch or grappling most of the time everyone that i'm around is bigger than me so it's not too far-fetched as far as a, a having uh, guys to to mimic in sparring, but at the same time, to which degree of skill he has is a different animal. Uh, Hmm. Luckily, in my case, because I train in so many different things, I'm adaptive at all times, so I'm able to defend even against catch wrestlers. He was able to defend against me, but it was because he was able to, to neutralize my mobility. I was trying to advance. It didn't work, but when I'm moving around and I'm flying around, that's when I'm a little more difficult to, to tag. And I caught him a couple of times. He cracked the hell out of me with one uppercut, which I thought my uh, I had gum in my mouth for, for breathing. And uh, I thought the gum had left my mouth after he hit me with one shot. And I turned back towards him to guard, uh, to bring my guard up. And I noticed the gum is still in my mouth. So I freaked myself out thinking like, hey, there's my gum. No, that was just spit. <laughs> yeah I mean, he nailed I
2: it, yeah
3: oh yeah, you got me with some good shots, and you could hear it, but just to to be in the ring with somebody you mutually respect and you mutually understand their degree of skill is high, now this is where it gets fun, because when now you're you're in the moment, it's a different feeling for not only the the wrestlers but also the audience.
2: And I think it's so cool that not only did you wrestle him, but you also wrestled Brian Pillman Jr., which is a completely different style. I I thought that was kinda cool that, that court doesn't kinda put you in the same match all the time. It's it's so different. And you can bring in a guy like a a star who's Brian Pillman Junior, obviously his father's gigantic star. I thought that was pretty cool too, bring him in and have you wrestle him.
3: Well it was uh it was more of a not a graduation, but there, there were lessons that he needed to learn because he, he's inexperienced and he's young. And I, I had shared that in the discussions leading into into the matchup that, you know, what people fail to realize is, yeah, he's a second-generation wrestler. His dad has a famous name, but he's still a kid. So, those two things and he's entering a, still a profession. He's, he's on a, a television level of a business. So, there's a lot that comes with that territory, and if you're not prepared for it, that it can bite you in the butt, and that's that's what it ended up doing. So just the the matchups, that courts lining up, it's 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 always the bottom line is the Don King method. It's you know styles make matches. So you know if I'm the if, if I'm the one of the killers of the company, you know you're not just gonna feed me anybody. You want you want me going after the top guys. That's who I want. You know, leading up to Super Fight, I put it out there real quick. Beat me any of the two guys, L.A. Park or Fatou. I held my own for a long time as champion. I'm not afraid to be the one of them, and I know that the fans would love those matchups because they've never happened before. And now I'm dealing with super heavyweights. Not heavyweights, super heavyweights. So that's, a different, that's a different dynamic, different approach. So, I mean, Gordon knows I'm... I'm not the one to shy away from anything. So he just has to be careful with who he's lighting me up against.
2: Yeah, I feel like that would be great for Superfight, either Fatou or L.A. Park. Kind of another dream match situation there because it seems like that's kind of one of those things that's happened with you lately. Uh, dream Not even just lately, but dream matches. They throw you in MVP. They throw you in there with Conan. I mean, a lot of John Hennigan. A lot of big names that are somewhat dream matches for a lot of fans.
3: Yeah, because of the current climate in pro wrestling, which is very, very uh, broad at this time. So the opportunities that are existing now, they didn't exist in the past, so we're having better opportunities for better, higher-quality matchups. And uh, since I've been training for so long, I'm I'm better prepared now than I've ever been for those matchups.
2: And then you throw in a guy like Ray Phoenix, who you wrestled, who arguably might be the best high flyer in wrestling right now. And that's a completely different style, and a completely different dream match as well.
3: Yes. And again, different skill set, different defensive mechanisms, because I am adept in Lucha Libre as well, because that's how we trained in the doghouse. So, you know, these are things that I've been prepped for for a long time. So even uh, with his exceptional abilities and his style, I was able to adapt. I was able to flow as opposed to a lot of other styles which have very deep contrasts and they don't mesh well. The chemistry in there doesn't fit well, nor does it work well on camera. So, you know, I'm doing a variety of things with these different matchups. What I'm showing everybody is this is a craft. No matter who the challenge is, this is a craft. You have to rise to the occasion by knowing what you're doing. This is not a gamble. This is not a roll of the dice. If you think it is, you're going to make a mistake, and it's going to end up costing you money. Well said.
2: That's a hell of a, a, hell of a good point. And I feel like also a guy I wanted to talk about that you wrestled a few times this past year, that's mm-hmm. Tom Lawler, completely different rest style wrestler than the catch wrestler Timothy Thatcher is. Obviously a mm-hmm. huge MMA background, ton of fights in the UFC. What are your thoughts on Tom Lawler?
3: Well, Tom has come a long way since uh, – since arriving in MLW. I've tracked him for a while because I'm a fan of of pro uh, pro fighters attempting to cross over into pro wrestling but doing it in a, a more fundamental, path-taking way uh, than, okay, I'm a star over here and I'm coming over for the big money fight here. No, he, he's he's trying to earn his way in into, into his standing. So, I mean, I respect that about him. And, uh, you know, in MLW, when it's for the the MLW world title, I mean, it doesn't matter who's on the other side of that. I'm going all in. So, you know, whether it's uh, him him and his fighting ability, I'm prepped for that. With his wrestling ability, I'm prepped for that. The fact that I was a world champion this late in my career is indication and validation of all the training that I've had up until this point because you don't last this long by abusing your body. That was a common element in what we did for such a long time. So everyone went one way with that. I went the opposite direction and took care of myself, which led me to a world championship. And because of that, it ended up leading me to Tom Lawler. His abilities led him up the ladder in MLW. We eventually crossed paths, and I had to get into his head psychologically because aside from you know us selling tickets, it's let's see how mentally prepared he is for this position. Because not everyone can handle the world championship. Not everyone can handle the top spot. Everyone thinks that, oh, yeah, everything is done in the ring. Uh-uh. There's a, there's a whole different world once you're on top. Because not only did you do all that work to stay on top, to get on top, now you've got to stay on top. And when you stay on top, there's way more work. So if you're not mentally prepared, if you don't have the conditioning for this, it's going to wear you down. And Tom was able to, he was able to to weather the storm. That's not, that's not something that many can say. So, you know, props to Tom Lawler and you can see the path that he's had in MLW and to see where he's going and the potential that he has uh, at current state. I mean, it's impressive to, to be a part of his journey, just like he's a part of mine.
2: Absolutely, and it feels like he is off to somewhere else. I don't know exactly where. So it looks like your pass won't cross, at least for the immediate future, which kind of stinks a little bit for the fans. I wanted to see another – I know you have rematch, but I want to see you guys kind of go out and have that third match. I thought that would have been great. But I guess he's off to someplace else quite possibly.
3: Well, I mean, what people fail to realize is these are men and women who still have livelihoods to maintain. So mm-hmm. this is the hard part about what we do because Business is business, and these individuals have to make decisions based on their well-being. So, you know, I don't get into his his interactivity with that stuff. But whatever he decides for him and his family, by all means, go for it. But, of course, if he's ready to dance, by all means, let's go.
2: I love that you're kind of dominating MLW. I love that they had a war games. They're doing so many like positive things. Like it, we mentioned, obviously the opera cup, but mm-hmm. I love how they do war games and stiff and, and, or you know, war chamber and different things like that. Cause it's, it's different, but it's, it's old, but it's old school, but he mixes in the new, you know what I mean? It's it's mm-hmm. kind of like he, he mixes everything well in together so well.
3: I think the way to, to put it is he's modernized uh, a lot of historic value and meaning court. Mm-hmm. He, he's taking all these old elements in the, the history of pro wrestling and he's reintroduced them in the modern era, but he's, he's adapted them and made adjustments with them. Um, and again, that's paying homage with respect to our craft. The last thing we want to do is disrespect everything that led us to being where we are today. So we want to honor, honor everyone as as far as historic value by doing it with respect. And I think that was evident in how we we uh, paid tribute to Gary Hart in Dallas. Mm. That, was, that was important to court on his presentation. Uh, I was honored to, to be asked to provide the, the voiceover for it, and it seemed to be well appreciated by his family and the fans. So that's that's what I mean. We're all going after respect because they're, the redeveloping the respect for what we do is changing how... We're, we're appreciated. And we're not, a, we're not a, a traveling circus act that can be disrespected. And look at how how that changed the, the interactivity and the sentiment between the wrestlers and the people or the wrestlers and the company. No, we're not trying to do that. We're trying to redevelop this respect for everybody. And because of that, that's why we're standing out.
2: Absolutely. You mentioned doing that voiceover work for the Gary Hart tribute. You, in general, have done it. Quite a bit of voiceover work. Obviously, you have a great, great voice for it. Is that something that was always interested in you, or somebody said, "Hell, you know, you got a hell of a voice. You should be doing voiceover
3: work." That actually, I have to attribute that to Jim Ross because when wow. I was when I was in WWE, he uh, he did one of his Ross reports and 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 just in mentioning my name regarding NXT, he mentioned that if all else fails or in regards to You know, just redirecting off of NXT. He goes, with that voice, that young man needs to take his voice to Hollywood. So off of that, after I left WWE, I wanted to do something different. I wanted something more challenging. So I began training in voiceover work. I hired a coach. I hired a voice conditioning and strength coach. I hired a Meisner acting coach. So I really prepared and studied for performing as a voiceover artist. And because of that, I've been fortunate to be able to do stuff like that, aside from wrestling. And then even while in wrestling, having opportunities to provide voice work and voiceover to our
2: product. Very cool, different avenue too. Are you enjoying doing stuff like that? Because it seems like a perfect fit for you.
3: Well, I, I love doing it because one, I'm not in front of a large group, so it's it's a good break. And I'm, hmm. I'm you know, I'm uh I'm in a booth. In front of a microphone, I get to act animated. I get to do uh, pretty much whatever is necessary or required as far as from the client. And, uh, I mean, what people see in the ring, there's deeper range on the mic because it's it's not me being low-key. It's me being something else. So it's similar in, this, in respects to when I did uh, motion capture for the 2K WWE games. I'm performing, but I'm not performing as me. I'm performing as somebody else. So depending on the level of craftiness I have, it will determine whether or not you can tell it's me or if it's more relevant to that character.
1: Hmm.
2: That's a really, really good point. You don't even think about stuff like that and how you can kind of get into it, but it's almost a little bit of a break. Because you're right, there is no crowd there, but you know, you're performing, but it's a totally different performance and a totally different thing of doing the, the motion capture thing is awesome too, because you're kind of doing all the wrestling stuff without really going crazy, but you're kind of, you know, acting some of the stuff out really, really cool stuff. And I've seen some of the videos, very, very like grueling stuff that they have you do, but in, in the same sense, it's very cool, very uh,
3: unique. It's, it's, it's a lot of work because we would do 40 hours. So that's 40 hours of being somebody else. Mm-hmm. That's not being yourself. So that's that's physically physically taxing. But we've got a good team of people that, that we're able to pull together and, and make it look great. So you know, it's, it's, it can be fun. It can be really, really rewarding as well.
2: Now, as we hit the wind down and head for the finish, I always wanted to ask you just about the early, early days of TNA and impact. And, you and AJ and Jerry Lynn kind of creating that X division and creating something that wasn't really there before, so to speak. I mean, you had like the WCW Cruiserweight, but that was different. This X division was something new and it's something that a lot of people adapted to. A lot of people kind of took that style. Was that pressure at all? Like when the Jared's come to you like, all right guys,
3: steal the show and
2: make everybody kind of be interested in TNA for being something different than what they were seeing at that point.
3: Nope. Nothing like that at all. No, no, okay. All it was was, hey guys, this is AJ, this is Jerry Lynn, this is Low Key, these are the Elvises. You guys are, you guys are on tonight.
2: And that's it. They just uh, because it seems like that was kind of the ushering in of of a different era of wrestling with you, AJ, and Jerry, bringing something different that you weren't seeing really from WB at all, and just such great action and and things like that. It was kind of just you guys just being you and kind of just taking over and taking the spotlight?
3: That's all it was. It was us being ourselves. We were not micromanaged. We were allowed to compete. We were allowed to go out and do what we did. And because we kept doing it consistently, we drew a lot of attention. So they ran with it. And because of that, that became more or less the identity of the company. We mm-hmm. put the company on the map. But it wasn't intentional by design. It was just because that was the pairing that they put. They matched us all up together. And at that time, most of us had never even encountered each other. So this is first time matchups. And now you've got guys that, okay, well, this is my competition. All right, this guy's different. That one's different. This one's different. None of them were the same. Like I said, you're only as good as your competition. I went out there against AJ and against Jerry Lynn. I was also against Christopher Daniels and Elix Skipper. I was mm-hmm. also against the New Church. I was also against Malice, the monster. I was also against the the Cowboys, Storm and uh, his partner. So I mean, yeah. So I mean, I was matched up against a whole new roster of guys that come from all different backgrounds all different paths of life walks of life and they all bring different skill sets. So I had no choice. It was sink or swim. So me being from where I'm at, that's what it's all about. It's sink or swim, shut up and get to work. So that's what I did. And because my ferocity was what helped me get by because at my size, most guys were not as, as aggressive as I am. So I think because of that, that was a, That was a a tactic that I could use and I can really uh, use in my favor. And because of that, I shared a lot of success there. But I wasn't the only one. AJ always came to work. Jerry Lynn always came to work. Uh, Amazing Red always came to work. Christopher Daniels always came to work. Everybody came to work as professionals. They were ready to work at a high rate and at a hard rate. This is something we are are all trying to be on that top spot. So, we're all trying to give our best foot forward, and because of that, that's why you saw the quality of what you did.
2: So great. And I just remember you and Red had just crazy chemistry, almost like mm-hmm. video game, but more, much more realistic than some of the stuff you see today. It was much more re- realism based, and you guys were, had such a unique style. You know, you go to kick his head and he flips, and it was mm-hmm. very, very cool to see, especially back then.
3: Yeah. And again, matchups, styles. Yes. At my size, most of the time, I'm always the smallest guy. Now, here's a surprise. I got somebody who's even smaller than me, somebody who's even faster than me. Oh, okay, this is different. When I was in a doghouse, I would tell everybody, you need to train for three people. And they're like, what are you talking about? You need to train for three people. Somebody smaller than you, someone equal to your size, and someone bigger than you. You get the answers for all three, you're good. That's why these guys are having such a hard time because they're trying to do the same thing for everybody. It doesn't work that way. And these guys are hungry. You got somebody trying to feed their family? Oh, they're coming after you.
2: Yeah, well, well said. Now, as far as some favorite matches and stuff, do you look back and have favorite matches and maybe fair match or something that sticks out? Or, or is that impossible?
3: <laughs> I've always said I've never had favorite matches because everybody's different. So you're going to get a different appreciation for each one. And everyone's skill set is different. Wrestling uh, American Dragon is different than wrestling Prince Devitt. Prince Devitt is different than Ibushi. Ibushi is different than Amazing Red. Amazing Red is different than Shinjiro Otani. Otani is different than Hashimoto. Hashimoto is different than Kobashi. Everybody's different. I've been in the ring with all of them, and I have a deep appreciation for what they've all brought to the table because I know how hard this is to make into a living. I didn't expect to do this. It just kind of turned out this way because I treated it with a high degree of respect, and I went all over the world with this, and I'm still doing it. So, I mean, this could be done really well if you treat it with respect, but in doing so, you also got to take care of yourself. And by doing that, you earn the respect of your peers. I've been able to be be in the ring with all these different people. And I don't have to have a favorite match because all of them are different. All of them are different people, too. Because it's just a different experience almost each and every single time. And everywhere that I've gone, my work ethic is what separated me from everyone else. And because of that, I earned a ton of respect from people. And not because I'm posturing or trying to act like a tough guy or looking for a fight. I mean, I can handle myself if need be. But it's because they saw me train. They saw me work hard. They saw me study. And then they saw the quality of what I was doing as validation as to what I was doing. So, you know, it's I still don't have favorites. Each one is unique. As observers, as fans, I leave that up to you guys because I'm the one who gets the experience. You guys get to see it, I'm the one who keeps the experience because I get it firsthand. Is there any opponent
2: you've had out there that maybe we didn't talk about, maybe the fans don't talk about enough? Almost like it's an underrated match that you kind of just, man, that guy is great, and not enough people kind of give the guy as much credit as they deserve.
3: Hmm. That's good, because over the past two years, I've reduced my schedule purposefully to preserve my body as I get older. So, the guys that I'm hearing more about, one is Timothy Thatcher. Two is Harry Smith. Because I know how good Harry is because I've seen his adaption from uh, WWE pro wrestling to MMA and catch and then to what he is now. And he's an animal, especially at his size, which is even scarier. Um, so, you got guys like Harry. You got guys like Timothy. Uh, even in, uh, I mean, I know he's in NXT UK now, Walter. I like Walter a lot because I think I was one of his first matches when he first began. I remember him telling me, you know, I don't even watch wrestling. And now he looks like a a German Jumbo Saruta mixed with Andre the Giant. Mm. So, you know, it's to to see him advance is, uh, I told him I was proud of him for that because he he treated it with respect and now he's able to make it into a proud living. So, uh, you know, guys like, like Walter, I don't think people have a, a deep appreciation because he's not matched up as properly as he should be. Um, even in uh, I see pro wrestling Noah or Fuji, I think he's he's underrated. I haven't had a match with him though. That's the one singles match of one of the guys in Japan that I haven't had, and I've been pushing for it with MLW because I know they have the working relationship. But yeah,
2: yep, it would be awesome.
3: You know, and I know that his body all the time is going to get him eventually. So I want to get him before Father Time gets him. Um, even Nakajima, I think. I think we'd have a fun match. Another awesome wrestler, yeah. Uh huh. But that's the thing; these guys are skilled, but what they're known for and what they're shown more, more uh, on a larger scale, or more recently, it's not as favorable to them as, as matchups should be. So to me, that lets me know that the, the promoters are not doing their best jobs for proper matchups to protect their guys and to get the most out of them. Like, Marufuji's a legend. He shouldn't be in the X division. He should be in the the, the top division, the, the world division. So, uh, you know, treating guys like him with respect, I, I mean, I'm all for it. I want guys like him. Uh, if he can get away from New Japan, Kenta. I want him. Mm-hmm. Osprey. Ospre- Hasn't happened. I want him. Uh, my rematch with Pac, because I I didn't face him uh, at his peak. Now he's, he's reached his peak. I wouldn't mind facing him again. Um, BJ Black, I faced him in WWE. That's not his, his peak. He's got way more experience now and now more world experience. Plus, they don't have too many guys from South Africa. So... I would probably want to go there and, and face him there in front of his own people. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of matchups for me, like you said earlier, that that could be dream matches. But as far as underrated, I think there's uh, there's a there's a lot of guys, but it's because they're not properly matched up. So I think once you start getting more interesting matchups, like you said earlier with me and Thatcher and me and Pillman, then you'll start really seeing the true nature of what these guys bring to the table.
2: As far as you and your career, and you said you're slowing down on purpose. You are preserving the body. You want to make sure you're, you know, based 100% for every wrestling match you got coming up mm-hmm. and everything else you got going on. Where do you see yourself in a couple of years? Like still with MLW, still doing that? Do you want to kind of venture out? Like, where, like, where do you see yourself? Maybe doing some more acting, more voiceover.
3: Well, I think for me, the natural path is moving into teaching. I'm, uh, I'm already adept at the professional level in multiple disciplines, and it's not just pro wrestling. So I have options available to me in paths that I can use, but I'm, I'm enjoying things more, so I'm a little more patient than I was in the past. So moving on now, I see myself more teaching because I've been doing the mind-prepared professional communications going, oh, of course, so I've been doing that on the side away from wrestling on top of helping companies uh, build their their environments through communication. So, I mean, there there's a variety of different things that I have available to me that I do outside of wrestling that I'm still doing. But I think ultimately just a natural transition is me coming into the teacher's position to where now I got a, a large group that I'm going to be responsible for for bringing up to speed and whatever it may be. Um, I've been doing that with Major League. I've been doing that with the roster. Excuse me. I've been doing that with the roster, and we have a deep roster of varying experience. But I also understand, because I've been to all these different major companies, on how things don't work and why they don't work, so I don't allow them to be an MLW. So it's a concerted effort on trying to make sure we have a healthy environment for a roster of all stars who can go out and do their thing and continuously improve because I got the first hand experience. So I'm not giving them second and third hand information, I'm giving them first hand guidance. So, because of that, we've been getting a lot of good feedback and a lot of progress out of our talent and our roster.
2: It would be a perfect guy for a 20 years of experience in wrestling alone, just talking about. Would be the perfect guy just to do that. Then you have all the other life experiences, all the other experiences. Obviously, sure. martial arts. I mean, you would be the absolute perfect teacher for those guys. and That kind of role would be absolutely perfect.
3: Uh, that's what I'm leaning towards. And uh, again, so I, I said this in a previous interview uh, for for setting up one of our events. I've gotten my success. I'm 20 years in. I survived. I've done my settings. <laughs> <laughs> so, so i've made it this long now it's their turn make them better than me but not my competition i've already done what i've done so now I'll take these guys and girls and push them to their limits to let them know this is what happens when you go this far so to help them see it for themselves even guys like ariel dominguez an amateur wrestler from central florida he's originally from iowa so hell of a hell of an amateur wrestler having difficulty entering into pro wrestling but his competitive nature for amateur wrestling is what helps him survive. He's originally on on injury but you know the, who knows what the future holds because you can never stop the heart of a wrestler. Everyone knows as a wrestler you got to bear all the responsibility because it's grunt work. Wrestlers are some of the toughest people to break because they already understand everything rests on their shoulders. So we got an environment full of people who are eager, hungry, and they're willing to learn. That's a that's a good environment, and we're trying to keep it that way.
2: I Love it, and of course, coming up on twelve five Melrose Ballroom, New York City. The Opera Cup is returning. The one night elimination tournament is returning. MLW, check it out mlw dot com. You're going to see all sorts of social media posts about it. Definitely check out Opera Cup. A bunch of matches lined up so far. In- Hopefully, Low Key's match will be announced pretty soon. Low Key, please just give us the plugs, uh, your social media, anything else you got coming up outside of MLW.
3: Oh, yeah, wonderful. You can follow me on social media on Twitter, at all one word is One World Warrior, all letters. On Facebook, The Professional Low Key, and on Instagram, Low Key 1979. Upcoming is, uh, as you said, the Opera Cup. At the Melrose Ballroom with MLW, as well as for the first time ever, I returned to House of Glory and I'm going to face the Master of Ultra Violence in Masada. So these are upcoming and, uh, oh wow, it's, it's, it's been a hell of a year, that's for sure.
2: I oh, didn't even know about the match. Very, very cool. Damn, I'm going to have to keep my eye out on House of Glory. That's awesome.
3: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm all about facing the top guys. It doesn't matter where they're coming from. And He's one of the masters of ultraviolence. All right, well, if it is what they want. It is what they want. Let's roll. Awesome
2: stuff. Look, appreciate all the time you gave us today. Good luck with everything. And it was pretty awesome for me personally to get you on. I mean, I've been doing this for five plus years, and I'm one of the guys that I've always wanted to get on. Always try to get on, just because I've been following your career ever since the early 2000s. So uh, awesome to finally get you on.
3: Well, thank you thanks for having me thanks for following me that long that's that's a
0: heck of a long time to
3: support so i appreciate that
0: this podcast was a presentation of the two man power trip of wrestling's podcast empire